Hey guys, Hunter McWaters here, and I wanted to do a quick podcast. You know, I don't want to feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, um, but there were a few really big lessons I learned um, on this spring bear hunt that I just did. It was my first spring bear hunt, and I think every time you go on a big hunt like this, you come back with lots of lessons learned. Um, and this was stuff that was just, you know, marinating and percolating in my brain on that long drive home after not filling my tag and coming close. And um, so, you know, I learned some stuff, you know, just lessons, kind of life slash hunting lessons, but also on the gear side of things. So I want to share um, a few of my favorite pieces of gear, some things that went well, some things that were, you know, maybe not so good. Um, and then also some of just like the big takeaways from the hunt itself. So um, if you are listening to this, go ahead to the YouTube um, version and check that out because I'm going to be showing you some of the gear I'm talking about here. Um, you can find the YouTube channel by um, searching my name, Hunter McWaters, or The Hunter's Quest. Um, so anyway, I'm going to jump right in here. I'm going to start off with some of the stuff I learned. Um, again, you know, some of these lessons, as you guys probably know, coming back from a, from a hunt where you didn't punch your tag can be a little painful, um, but uh, in the long run, um, you know, they just make you better hunter. So. Um, I definitely had some takeaways and, you know, I had a really long conversation with Brian call on the way home and he kind of helped me like process through some of this stuff. Um, but you know, the biggest like overall thing is just like, don't not do something cause it's hard. And you know, I'm going to be really transparent here. You know, I'm not exactly necessarily proud of how the hunt ended up. Um, but I think that, you know, I, like I said, I learned a lot from it and I think you guys can maybe learn something from it too. I mean, um, you know, me and Mark shot his bear across the river and it was a long, grueling day. I mean, one of the hardest physically most challenging days probably of my entire life, to be honest. And, um, so, you know, coming off of that, we were both reluctant to want to shoot a bear across the river again. Um, you know, Mark being a little older than me was a little more reluctant. Um, and I think, you know, I, we said it in the podcast that I did with Mark that we, when we recapped the hunt, like if he had given me even just a hint of go for it, man, let's do it. I, I would have definitely shot a bear across the river. Um, but I ended up not doing that. And, um, you know, there were some bears that we knew about that were over there. I, they were there like almost every time, you know, I went at a certain time and looked at this certain spot, there was this, uh, a black bear there and, um, he wasn't huge, wasn't like an amazing bear or anything, but you know, who cares? It would have been my first bear. So, um, we knew he was there, um, but we were trying to find something on our side of the river. And, you know, we did actually end up finding, you know, we talk about meatball. Uh, we found this just giant, massive chocolate bear on our side of the river and we almost killed him. Um, but that kind of goes, you know, into the whole, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush kind of thing. I mean, um, you know, don't pass up opportunities that you know are there. Um, I was, you know, in shooting range of this black bear across the river two, at least two, maybe three times, um, but chose not to shoot, um, basically cause we knew how hard it was going to be to go get him. Um, which looking back is just, it, I just regret it. It's just, it was dumb. I mean, um, you know, it, it just would have been so fulfilling to come out of this hunt with my first bear. And instead I came home empty handed 
And yeah, it would have sucked in the moment, but it would have like looking back on it now, it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, that it would have been worth it. Um, but I didn't do it, and so that's that's a huge takeaway. So you know, don't you know, don't wimp out. You know, if if you have an opportunity, take it. It's gonna be hard, but it'll be worth it in the end. Um, so that's that's one big thing. You know, the other thing would be you know to be aggressive. Like me and Mark talked about. We, when we found Meatball, we got into about 100 yards of him. It was like 105 yards, and he was, he was bedded down. The wind was perfect, and um, he, we, we camped on him for five hours. Literally, I, was with, I had two cameras set up on myself, one on the bear, and I was holding the gun ready to go for five hours. Um, and, you know, eventually he stood up, caught a whiff, and was just gone, like instantly. Like, no chance... Uh, or very little chance. That's something I'll get into later. But um, you know, the lesson there is sometimes you got to be a little bit aggressive. Um, you know, this could go either way. There's different sides of the coin here. But um, you know, we really expected this bear to stand up any minute and um, and give us a shot. But it, it just didn't happen. And you know, after the first two three hours, you know, when when the thermals are starting to change around five o'clock, we should have seen that coming and we should have gotten aggressive and, and gone and made a different plan or something. Um, but you know, we, we didn't. Um, and that's the other thing too, is if you have an opportunity where you're have time and you're waiting for an animal, you know, to maybe get up out of its bed or you think it's going to emerge out of some thick cover or something like that, make sure that you are running through every single possible scenario um, and have a plan for that scenario. So I, I was set up in an area where if the bear stood up um, and went basically in the ideal direction, I would have a shot. But I didn't really have a mental game plan of what to do if he stood up and walked straight towards me for a step, which is exactly what he did. Um, and then because I didn't have that you know, mental plan in my head, when the bear stood up, and was looking straight at me, you know, I did have, I mean, maybe a second or two where I could have punched one right in the middle of his chest, but I hadn't mentally prepared for that possibility. Um, and so when that happened, I just kind of froze. And, and yes, it was very quick. I mean, it, it would have been, it would have had to have been an extremely fast shot, but still, um, I think if I had mentally prepared myself for that possibility, there's a chance I could have gotten a shot off, but I wasn't ready for him to do that. And subsequently kind of threw me when he did that. And then I hesitated for a split second and he was gone. Um, so make sure you think through all the possible scenarios, not just what you want to happen. Uh, because as you know, animals almost never do what you want them to do. They're gonna do usually the least expected things. So just make sure you have thought through every scenario if you're in that position. Um, and, you know, going back to being aggressive too, um, you know, we could have possibly tried to get around a different spot, maybe gone um, back down a trail and got a longer shot. Um, or, you know, there was a time when I, after it's been a couple hours, and I thought to myself, I even said to Mark, I said, Mark, let's, let's try like a little predator call or something. And he was um, reluctant to do so. He, he thought that, you know, within 100 yards, 
that predator call would probably just freak him out and he would and he would dip out. Um, but you know, he we could have I could have had Mark go down the trail and try it. Um, which kind of leads me into the overarching principle here, which is, and so this is something that Brian talked to me about, is um, you know, there's a certain dynamic when you're on a hunt and you're the younger guy or the less experienced guy, right? So I'm here with Mark Livesey, and Mark's a great hunter. He's a great guy. I love Mark. I'm not talking bad about Mark at all. Um, extremely experienced, and um, if you're gonna defer to somebody when it comes to bear hunting, Mark's one of the guys that I would recommend deferring to. However, there's a certain dynamic, and I think you guys will understand, um, that comes from when you're the least experienced or the youngest guy in a group, right? And um, and also maybe different personality types uh, come in here, but my personality type and just knowing that this is my first Western bear hunt and I'm hunting with a guy as knowledgeable as Mark, I kind of allowed myself to take the back seat, which is fine most of the time. However, there is a time when, you know, I, I felt in my gut that we needed to try something new. We needed to try that predator call or whatever it, it may be, and I said it, um, but I didn't push back when Mark kind of disagreed. Um, same goes with, uh, you know, a couple times when I had that bear in range across the river, and I was like, man, I kind of, I really want to do it, kind of want to do it, and Mark's like, eh, no, let's wait, blah, blah, blah. he's not very big, whatever. Um, you know, you live and learn, but going back, um, and, you know, on my next hunt, I hope I will remember this lesson, but there's a certain, there's, there's obviously times when you want to listen to more experience, and you, you don't want to be cocky, you do want to learn from guys, but there also comes a time when you need to, if you have a gut feeling, um, or you just want to try something, um, there's a time for that, and, and you need to stand up for that and do it. Um, cause you know, Brian was saying, he was like, you know, I used to do this all the time too. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if you make a call and it's the wrong call and you screw it up, that's on you. Right. And, and we agreed like, you know, we can live with making mistakes. It, it happens to all of us. Um, what's a harder pill to swallow is when, you know, it was kind of out of your hands because you kind of left it out of your hands. You kind of uh, deferred to the other guys. So um, again, there's always a time and a place to listen and to get advice and guidance from more experience. But there is a time when you need to say, no, no, this is what I want to try. Let's try it. If we screw up, it's my fault. I can own that. But uh, if it, you know, if it's somebody else's mistake, it's kind of a harder pill to swallow. Um, so, you know, that's, that's just something that I think I'm gonna take forward into, into hunts. Like, don't second guess yourself, um, you know, too much. Sometimes you just gotta go with your gut and, um, and, and realize like, hey, you know, we're all just out here doing our best. Um, and if you, if you have something that you feel strongly about, sometimes you just need to go for it, uh, even if you're not the most experienced or the oldest guy out there. Um, so that, that was my biggest thing, you know. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> Even on the way out, um, the last day, there was a, a, a time when I already had camp already packed up. I was hiking out. It was raining. I had that bear. I had one last chance at that bear. I knew it was going to add a whole day onto the trip, a hard, long, really bad day. <laughs> um, and I, I hesitated, man. Like I, I sat there trying to decide, should I do it? Should I do it? 
Um, you know, and, and finally I made up my mind, okay, you know what? Screw it, like, it's gonna suck, but I wanna kill a bear. So I start ripping out my stuff, I start pulling my rifle out, getting the camera set up. As soon as I had that camera set up, that bear was gone. So just don't hesitate, don't do things, don't not do things, because they're hard. Because I'll tell you, that day would have been pretty brutal, pretty awful, it would have added a whole other day onto my trip. But I'd be looking back now on footage and pictures of, of my first bear. I'd be eating bear meat right now, but instead, I'm just sitting with my regrets and <laughs> and you know all I got to show for it is some lessons learned. And you know I'm not complaining. It was still a great trip, but um, it would have been sweet to get that taste of victory, um, and it would have been totally worth another really crappy long day. Um, and at the end of the day, you know it's hunting. It's even the worst days in the field are are not bad days. So those are the biggest things, you know, um, go with your gut. Don't always default to experience and age. Sometimes you gotta be aggressive. Sometimes you gotta um, just go for it. Um, think through all your possibilities. If, you, if, you, if you're waiting on an animal to make a decision, make sure you've mentally walked through the steps of every possibility. Um, and then, you know, one minor thing, never ever hike in rain gear, no matter how hard it's raining. <laughs> Um, you know, I did that on the hike out one time on like one of the first nights and, um, it was, I was cold, it was raining. I figured I'm going to throw my rain gear on. I'll be fine. By the time I got back to camp, I was soaked through from sweat and, um, that created a whole nother problem. And, but anyway, that's kind of the story that probably seems really obvious to a lot of you guys out there, but I thought I'd just throw it out there. All right. Now I want to turn my attention to some gear stuff that I learned or noticed on this trip, uh, and I'll show you a few of the things. Um, so first of all, a small but really important piece of gear is uh, I switched to a SteriPen this year. Um, I brought this one, this is a SteriPen Ultra. Uh, some of the other guys I think were using SteriPen Adventurers. Um, the thing I noticed about this, although it is nice, is uh, it won't work in cold weather. And I don't mean cold weather. I mean like it would be like 50s, maybe low 60s, and this thing would not work and say it was too cold. I would literally have to put this thing in my armpit for like five minutes anytime I wanted to use it just to warm it up. So that's, uh, I don't know, that's just a huge design flaw on these things. Not the end of the world, but um, very annoying. And, you know, it kind of scares me to think, you know, if that's what's happening in 50 degree weather, like, what if I got to use this thing and it's like five degrees out? Um, so that kind of freaks me out and really just underscores uh, for me the importance of having backups, like whether it be iodine tabs or drops or whatever. Um, I wouldn't want to rely on this Chinese made piece of electronics for my life, you know, like make sure you have a backup. Um, and this thing, like, they got to be warm to use them. It's really weird. Um, but, oh, the other thing is, too, is um, no matter what, as soon as you put that water in your water bottle, sterilize it. Because I ended up drinking an entire bottle of unsterilized water because, like, oh, I'll do it later. Of course, I forgot. Didn't end up being an issue. Um, you know, it says in Mark, I can drink any deadly thing and it will not harm me. Um, but, uh, you know... Anytime you put water in that bottle, just sterilize it because you'll forget, almost guaranteed. Um, 
and bring a backup water purification option. So, um, second thing is I'll just talk about, I, ha I ended up ordering um, a pack raft. I went with a caribou, it's a smaller one. Um, and just, you know, it opened up so much more opportunity uh, for killing bears that was, would be literally impossible without that thing, um, you know, crossing the river. So if you have the money to invest or can think of some kind of other solution to cross a river, and I don't mean one that you can walk across, I mean one that you cannot walk across, um, the pack rafts are amazing. You know, um, it's not, I mean, for what it is, it's very light and durable. Um, you know, on that pack out, I had my rifle, camera gear, three quarters of a bear, and a pack raft. And I mean, I survived. It was heavy, but you know, whatever. Um, it just opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Um, so if you have the time, if you have the money, um, I would invest in the pack raft. Um, so I'd mentioned before my pack, I ran the initial ascent IA 6K. Um, it was a great pack. Um, I remember several times mentioning that uh, you know my legs were feeling it on that pack out, but I never once felt any discomfort in my shoulders and my back. And every other pack I've run, to be honest, like after like three or four miles with a heavy load, it's starting to get uncomfortable. And that thing just really performed extremely well, um, even more so with the heavier weight. So. Um, I'll, I'll say it again, it's a great product, um, Initial Ascent. I do have a deal with them, so if you are in the uh, market for a pack, um, check them out and use the code QUEST. You'll save money and you will help support the show. And um, you know, Joe and Dennis over there are awesome guys. Um, you know, it's an American company, small business, they're based in Idaho, um, and really innovative, good packs. So um, that thing was, was killer. Um, Second, um, my Hanwag boots. So the well, these are the Tatra Light GTX. Um, you know, I like a lighter, more flexible boot. I did end, end up ordering some Alverstone twos from the Go Hunt Gear Shop um, to try out for some other kind of more. Well, it doesn't really get much more intense in this hunt, to be honest. But I got a sheep hunt coming up and some other stuff. I just wanted to try them out. They're a little stiffer, they're a little higher. Um, but anyway, these things were money for me. I would compare these to like a Laponia, and um, you know, Crispies are great too. I've mentioned it many times, but um, they just don't work for my foot shape for whatever reason, And but these things did. Um, but importantly, I will say, is the sheep feet. And um, you know, to be honest, when I put these things in, I was kind of like skeptical. I was like, I don't know, man. It doesn't really seem that much different or whatever. Um, and I know this isn't like a scientific test, you know, with the control and all that stuff. But I will say, one of the first nights, me and Mark had a really nasty descent. And, um, and my feet were sliding all around. And we had some extra room because of the llamas. So I brought these, but I didn't initially have them in my shoes. Um, so we, we had a really nasty descent on one of the first nights. And my feet were just slipping and sliding everywhere. And I ended up having to put on a ton of Luco tape that night all over the bottom of my feet. Because you know, when you get that, when you're constantly going down and you're getting that little bit of sliding and rubbing in your foot, it just uh, eventually just wears on them. So we got some hot spots. Um, after that, I went ahead and put these in, the sheep feet. And um, 
again, I know it's not a scientific test, but after that I had no, no problems with my feet. They, they seem to um, keep your foot locked in place a little better, um, so they're not sliding around as much. So I definitely recommend um, using some sheep feet. Um, if you can, um, Hanwag boots are great. I really, really like these boots. And you know, once you find a good boot that really works for your foot, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to go anywhere else because it's just, it's just not easy to find good boots that work. So, um, the sheep feet worked for me. I also used the, you know, darn tough sock with a, also with a Merino sock liner as well. That seemed to work very well for me. Um, also, you know, um, but really when things changed was with the sheep feet, to be honest. Um, so check those out. Um, oh, another thing here. So when I got my stove, I realized I needed some kind of, you know, um, fire starter. And I got, I just kind of just grabbed whatever. I ended up getting pyro putty. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, it was kind of a pain in the butt. It's the way it is. It's kind of hard. You got to pull it apart and it's, it's sort of hard to, to work with, and I just, I had a lot of trouble getting fire started with it. Um, you know, I'm sure that some people love it, and maybe it's good, but I, I didn't have great success with it. It was kind of a pain. I ended up asking Brad about it, um, about what he uses, and he showed me this stuff. Um, it's called, like, Esbit or something. I don't know if that's not really focusing, but... E-S-B-I-T, these little like white brick things. And um, using these, I used like a half of one and it got me going pretty much right away. So, um, and I was talking to Mark about it. He actually has like, he has like different levels of fire starter. He has like, you know, basic like cotton balls with vas you know, melted Vaseline. Um, and then he has like, you know, the second level. And then he has like, DEFCON 5, or it's like some crazy stuff, I don't even know what it is, um, but that's like, you know, will light anything on fire, but um, bring a couple options, these Esbit things worked great, the Pyro Putty wasn't so great for me, um, so that's what I gotta say about that. It was great having a stove, um, you know, just to dry things out on that hunt, it was very wet, so having the stove was cool. The floorless shelter, you know, I was, that was my first trip with the floorless shelter. Um, you know, ticks were an issue. Um, you know, if you're, if you're really creeped out by spiders and bugs and stuff, it may not be the thing for you. Um, I was very surprised or pleasantly surprised by how uh, dry it kept me. Like I said, you know, we dealt with tons of rain. Um, I never had any issues with water leaking in or anything like that. It kept stuff really dry. Um, the only issue I did have, besides a ground squirrel making a nest three feet from my head while I slept, <laughs> was uh, um, really bad condensation. Now that's part of the part of it's just the conditions of the hunt, but um, a couple times it got so um, covered in condensation, and then it would rain, and then the percussion of the rain hitting the thing would actually cause it to rain inside my shelter. And I, it got so bad at one point, I had to literally just start a fire just to, to dry my tent and my stuff out. Um, so it's kind of a it's kind of a catch twenty two there. But the floor of the shelter, you know, um, if you are gonna run one, I would bring a stove if you can. Um, so let's see, moving on. Um, just one thing, Mark had some homemade food that he brought, and he let me try some, and it was 
bomb. So I think Mark is actually, Mark Livesey, I think he's going to do some kind of um, like course on his recipes or something for his homemade backcountry food. He had like a chicken pot pie and like pad thai and like enchiladas and it was like so good. So if and when Mark comes out with that backcountry food like thing and there's some like cool tips in there like you can't use normal chicken. You have to use canned chicken because the moisture content and stuff like that you might not think about that he's figured out or learned or whatever and uh, his food was bomb. So be on the lookout for that if it ever comes out. Um, other thing which was like one of the most important pieces of gear I brought was a tarp. Now this is a Z-Pax Dyneema tarp um, and it's not cheap but it's very light, very durable and um, you know, make sure you tie your 550 cord on there before you get out there. I, for some stupid reason, threw my 550 in here but didn't tie any on. So, of course, the first rainstorm pops up, I'm scrambling, trying to tie stuff, and ended up just basically throwing the tarp around me and just like sitting there. Um, but uh, yeah, make sure you get your tarp tied in there. And then this is just a crucial piece of gear. I mean, it saved our butts many, many times. Um, and this Dyneema is extremely light lightweight material. So check out that, it was a huge piece of gear that we used a lot. Um, other thing is you see these, Crocs, right? So uh, I don't have my, I, I brought with me on this trip like just some normal Crocs. And now I know why they make these like hunting Crocs. So like I don't even know if they still make these things or not, but if they do and if you are a Croc type person, um, if you like having Crocs as your camp shoes, I would recommend getting these like hunting specific ones because they're made much more firm and sturdy and um, it seems like maybe not a big deal but like one night or a couple of nights we were camped up on a slope and every time, you know, I want to go back and forth from my tent, I had, uh, I had to walk up this slope and my Crocs were just like normal Crocs, they were just like I couldn't even walk like they would just like fold and like just twist on my feet and just they were terrible so I realized the importance of having these like chunkier thicker ones so if you're a croc guy or gal and they still make these I don't even know if they do but um, get you some like hunting specific like chunkier crocs uh, let's see uh, when the synthetic base layers over the merino this time, that worked out very well. I, I feel that synthetic is more comfortable and I also think it dries faster. Um, and, you know, I kind of noticed, I'm not sure if this is true or it's just whatever, but I feel like that the ticks were more uh, drawn to my wool items. I don't know if it's the smell or the texture or what, but. I noticed um, my woolen items, like my merino items, always had more ticks than my synthetic stuff. So I'm not sure if that's real or what, but it seemed pretty real to me and it makes sense. So um, the synthetic base layers worked really well for me. I'd recommend those. I'm going to be doing that. You know, I still like merino for mid layers, um, but for next to skin base layers, I'm synthetic all the way from here on out. Um, let's see. I did end up going with, you know, I brought that that long kind of sleeping pad to go under my air mattress that was doubling as my glassing pad, which was kind of annoying, to be honest, because a couple times I forgot and left it at camp, or um, it was nice to be out glassing and have a full-sized pad to like lay down on, but it was kind of a pain 
to be honest. I don't know if it was really worth it. Um, and I did remember thinking many times I wish I had um, you know, like a Stealthy Hunter glassing pad because um, even just for around camp and stuff because you know, when I was at camp, I would take my pad and put it back under my, um, my air mattress thing and I just always kind of, it was always wet. There was nothing dry to sit on so I always just sort of wished I had that, um, that Stealthy Hunter you know, glassing pad or whatever. So if you got the room, got the space, um, just consider that glassing pad. Um, let's see what else here. As far as um, filming stuff goes, um, Brian was right about this. I was skeptical at first, but the gimbal head um, is better for long range footage. I'm not gonna go into that in too much detail, but um, for wildlife photography and long range, gimbal head is better than a fluid head unless you're packing in like a 50 pound fluid head. Um, Let's see what we got here. Always, you know, always got to make sure you got a ground cloth um, in your floorless shelter. That was pretty big. Um, oh, this thing was handy. This is an Anchor Power Port Solar. It's pretty cheap. It's like 70 bucks. Um, and I used the Dark Energy power supply here. This thing is pretty amazing, actually. Um, I had one of the first original Gold Zero ones, and it was a piece of garbage. And it broke in like three days. But this one uh, held up very nicely. Um, I would, even on rainy days, I would leave this thing inside my shelter in the rain and it would still, you know, obviously it would charge pretty slow, but it would still get a charge into my batteries and stuff. So um, it's not like, you know, some of the less efficient ones where it's gotta be in direct sunlight. This thing would charge even on a cloudy day in a shelter. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, so I, I would definitely, you know, check this guy out. Um, let's see. I think that's pretty much it. Oh, last thing. I mentioned it before, I think, but my Garmin saved me from losing my phone. So not only was it an awesome, you know, backup GPS for safety and for tracking my hikes and mileage and all that. Um, also, you can check your blood oxygen level, which is pretty good. Um, but literally, I dropped my phone when we were going over to get Mark's bear. And it's got a find your phone feature on it that works through Bluetooth. Um, and it actually helped me, saved me from losing my phone. So um, this is a Garmin Phoenix 7X Sapphire Solar. Um, great piece of gear. Um, so anyway, those are some of the gear kind of points and items that I came off this hunt with. Um, you know, a lot of these items you can get in the Go Hunt um, gear shop. And pretty much anything that they have in their gear shop is legit because they don't just sell whatever. It's kind of curated by guys like Trail Kreitzer. Um, and, you know, they sell good stuff. They actually have a sale going on right now. Um, but I got a new kind of deal set up with Go Hunt. So if you use the code QUEST at Go Hunt, now that's in the gear shop. That's in, you know, if you want to sign up for an insider membership, which I use all the time for researching and finding tags and picking units. Uh, or they have the Explorer membership, which is a little cheaper and gives you access to mapping for all 50 states. Um, also, Outdoor Class is a new thing from Go Hunt. It's e-learning um, platform with modules on like rifle elk, cooking wild game, finding mule deer, with guys like Remy Warren and Randy Newberg and Brian Call and Ryan Lampers are going to do some modules soon. Um, Corey Jacobson has one. Um, and then they have other stuff about like cooking wild game and um, Mark Livesey is going to do one. 
Um, so anything in the Go Hunt sphere, if you use the code Quest, you're gonna save 20% on memberships or gear in the gear shop, and you're gonna directly help support the show. So I really appreciate it. You know, if you need some gear or you want to join Go Hunt or Outdoor Class, um, you know, use that code Quest. Um, same goes at Initial Ascent. Use the code Quest. And lastly, uh, Heather's Choice. Um, Heather's one of my oldest friends in the industry. Um, they just came out with a full new line of meals. I'm gonna do a taste test uh, video with her soon uh, with her new products. So be on the lookout for that. But use the code Quest there also and you will save 15% on some delicious, healthy uh, backcountry meals. So um, I got some codes with other folks. Check them out in the description field. Um, please like this video, please subscribe, please share the podcast with friends and family, and I appreciate y'all's support, and uh, we'll see you on the next one.